Socks on 35th is next. Doors open on the left. How's it going, everybody? My name is Duke Coughlin, and welcome to the Socks on 35th podcast. We are back with another exciting episode covering your Chicago White Sox. As always, I am joined by our panelists, Jordan Lazowski and Nick Gower. Gentlemen, as if I even have to ask, how are we doing? I watched some baseball. I, I saw a fight, and I thought I was watching a baseball game. Uh, so that happened this week. Other than that, I, I got some Guardians fans angry with my tweets today. So that was fun. I always have a good time on Twitter. That's about it. Make some fun while the team isn't providing any for you. Yeah, I mean, I think the fight is definitely... and I'm. I'm Sad to say this, but it's definitely the most entertainment the White Sox have provided all year. So if you're looking for silver linings, there it is. And hey, they actually won the game and the next game. So true. I guess that's good, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I would say um, bragging about knocking out Tim Anderson um, after and continuing to lose a series against the 2023 Chicago White Sox is like in hockey, winning a fight when you're ahead and still managing to find a way to lose the game. It's, it's genuinely embarrassing. Um, might be more embarrassing to Manderson. I don't know. Maybe this is me just being complete utter meatball and trying to spin this to make myself feel better. But once again, Cleveland fans, most relevant thing your franchise has done in the last 50 years was being featured in a movie that was filmed in Milwaukee. So never forget that. But anyway, we have a, uh, we have an awesome episode lined up today with Barstool Chicago's own Dave Williams, AKA white Sox, Dave, um, but before we get started, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the website at SoxOn35th.com, as well as following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SoxOn35th. And without further ado, our conversation with Dave Williams, White Sox Dave. All right, guys, we are now joined by Barstool's own Dave Williams, also known as White Sox Dave. Dave, how's it going, buddy? Obviously, uh, Chicago White Sox are who they are, but uh, how's uh, how's summer in Chicago treating you? It's great. I just uh, shifted focus and blown all my discretionary income on baseball games and started just going to a lot more concerts for the most part. It's been uh, It's been a fun summer. You know, music doesn't let you down like like sports teams tend to, especially ours in this city. So uh, it's been a fun summer. How have you guys been? Good. I mean, uh, unfortunately, I was a sucker who got a ticket package. So I'm just trying to yep. make sure I'm not burning money. So I'm kind of finding myself down there. But it is nice to enjoy a little bit of summer in Chicago. Had a pretty good weekend overall. But uh, yeah, still had to watch this fucking baseball team. So. I instead jumped out of a plane this weekend. Uh, I went skydiving on Saturday. Figure, well, the socks aren't too good, so might as well try jumping out of a plane, see what happens. But there are better things. To your point, there are better things to kind of spend your time. Yeah, it's 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 really like I I've eaten. I have a forty-one game plan, so I have seasons, mostly nights and weekends. And I've been at six games this year, and I went to my first one on Wednesday. Uh, since May, it's it's they they really I keep using the word hoodwinked just because I think it's a funny word, but like it's true they hoodwinked us. They told us it was going to be different, and it's not even it's not even that it's not better. I guess they didn't lie in the sense that it is different. It's much worse now than it's ever been, but um, 
it, it, it wasn't supposed to be this. I don't think this was. It's it's really really sad. It's sad. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely tough. I mean, I I, I think it's always a bad sign when they start pushing renewing your twenty twenty four package before August. And that's literally all I see anytime I Google the White Sox or see anything White Sox related. Yeah, they're begging. They, they are. If Jerry's Jerry's like, I need to catch this bag for next year, especially if I want to, according to Bob Nightingale, spend in free agency next year. But, uh, you know, we'll go ahead and see how that actually pans out. Yeah, right. Uh, but anyway, like, you know, just before we dive in just at the state of the fucking Chicago White Sox, um, Honestly, dude, uh, I'd like to get a little background information because I feel like a lot of people don't really know how you got started at Barstool or anything like that. So, uh, what what got you your start over there? You know, obviously Barstool is starting to really blow up in Chicago. So, uh, what, what's going on, man? It was just uh, like it, to put a long story short, it was just a uh, a small time blog. I mean, it was a small handful of people's full time job, but it was just a small time blog. Uh, it started back in 2002, and when I was like, in, or 2002, yeah, because it's 21st anniversary this year. Um, and then it got like big in the New England area, and I started reading it when I was like a freshman in high school, and um, or college rather. And when I was a senior in, in college, they threw out the bat signal and said, hey, like, we're looking for Chicago guys. So I had a stupid blog I, I kept up with a college buddy of mine or a high school buddy of mine in college and we monetized that we actually did make some good money off of it and we started doing like we we would put stupid videos on youtube and everything um but we made some like i don't know i don't know 500 bucks a month or whatever it was um so it was like nice side income but it had a decent enough readership and portnoy offered him and i uh like unpaid jobs and um, my buddy said no, I said yes, and then like I just kept doing it, and then all of a sudden it turned into a full time job, and I never in a million years thought that was gonna happen, but um, it did, so I got very lucky, obviously. But um, the rest was kind of history come 2016 or so once we got purchased by the churning group, yeah, dude, that's that's cool, man. I can't believe it 21 years, man. That's that's most people's lives, that's that's crazy. That yeah, it's a long time, it's really weird. Yeah, no, it's cool, man. It, it just shows how far you guys have come, though. And, like, I always thought, and I even brought this up to you uh, for the home opener. It was, like, I thought it was just so cool, like, seeing Dave go over to your guys' office and see how grassroots it was. And, you know, like, that's that's what I think is really cool because you really were there from the start and seeing it kind of still blow up and not forgetting where you're from, man. It's, it's, it's really cool stuff, man. Yeah, it's, I've been with them on a at least some basis since 2012. So it's a long time now, like a third of my life, basically. Yeah, no, that's 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 cool, man. Um, so I, I got to ask it just because you're referred to as like White Sox Dave. Like, you know, it's never really Dave. It's never really your full name. It's always just White Sox Dave. When did that really start to stick? When did st- when did people start referring to you as that? Honestly, it was the uh, it was the Fernando Tatis Jr. stuff. That's when it really started to stick. But like the reason I I never called myself that or anything. That was always Dave Portnoy calling me that because I was just a White Sox fan and he didn't want a second Dave in the room, especially a peon like me. So he would just call me White Sox Dave and it just stuck like that. And then all of a sudden, like, which I am, I obviously love the White Sox. That's just what he called me. It wasn't like something I came up with or anything. 
but he wanted all the like it, it the the website prior to more recent years it was uh you broke it down like everybody was in charge of their own team so like chief was the hawks i was the Sox. ed bears blah 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 so like that's kind of like how it evolved from i don't know i i i hate the name personally i hate it just call me dave but um at the same time like you can't do anything about it It is what it is so i just it's in one year out the other at this point you know you know i never knew i never actually knew the story but i kind of had a feeling it had something to do with portnoy just uh deciding that he didn't want somebody else called dave so that's exactly (laughs) yeah that's exactly what it was (laughs) that makes that makes too much sense, honestly. All right. So now that we have a little bit of your uh, barstool backstory, which is uh, really interesting stuff, um, let, let's dive a little bit deeper, Dave. Let's let's dive into little White Sox Dave, little Dave Williams. What made you fall in love with this just awful baseball organization in the first place? Like what made you a White Sox fan from a younger standpoint? Um, As a 34-year-old, I think – I have a similar backstory to a lot of people um, my age that are Sox fans. I grew up like obsessed with Frank Thomas. Um, I I do not remember the strike year. And if I did, then I probably would hate Jerry Reinsdorf all the much more than I do. But, um, but yeah, he was my like first memory, like my first idol, even as MJ was winning year after year after year. And um, signed up for baseball. And my dad, my dad grew up down the street from the stadium, so he was a big Sox fan. I fell in love with the game more than the team, but it was more once I could like falling in love with the team as a whole. Really, I would say, like White Sox love Cub hatred. Probably when I was like twelve ish, when I would like obsess over watching twelve episodes of Sports Center every day. Um, and my dad, and it was against the rules. Like you were a Sox fan. You're not a Cubs fan. Not that I, I would have went that way anyways. Cause I always like to go against the grain, but yeah, I, I was 17 when the Sox won it. And, um, in college in 08, when they uh, lost to the Rays and ever since then, like been covering them and, you know, with all the information that we have access to, like on, on how these organizations are built, um, I really started to um, like enjoy seeing like how the White Sox were going to do it. And unfortunately, that was probably not the best path to take because I hate them at this point, you know. But uh, that I, that's a too long, didn't read way of saying it. I could have gone on for like 10 minutes, and I know I just did anyways drag on right there. Um, but yeah, obsessed with Frank Thomas. Dad grew up Sox fan. My dad grew up down the street from the stadium and um, before moving out to the West Burbs where I grew up. So, so yeah, that's it. My parents were kind of the same way. They grew up on the South Side. It was like, yep, you're a Sox fan, and it's like, as, as you get older, it's like you're trying to figure out the Cubs hatred line. Do I really hate him? Do I really not? But if you ask my parents, it's like, no, you love the Sox and you hate the Cubs. Yep. Like, there is no way around that. Yeah, my mom's from, uh, oddly enough, Tom's River, New Jersey, where Todd Frazier grew up. Um, Al Leiter's dad, or no, Todd Frazier's dad was my mom's gym teacher in high school. Al Leiter was a year older than my mom in high school. Um so she didn't care. She was a Mets fan. So 
like, and not really a baseball fan, but she was a Mets fan, you know? Um, and so, but it was, it was easy picking the White Sox for me. It always was. Yeah, no, it's, it's always, uh, it's always kind of cool how that, like, the South side roots kind of really bring us to where we're at. Cause you know, you hear this type of story with the white Sox, you know, really across the fan base. Like my dad personally from Bridgeport uh, met my mom in Chicago. She's originally from Tennessee, but she had moved up and uh, were, uh, was working in Chicago. Um, I always think it's funny. Anytime I walk through armor park, because my dad always tells me stories about um, how he had this rivalry with these kids from the other side of the train tracks. It was like this entire thing when yeah. they were growing up and it's just like the most, the most fuck most fucking neighborhood stuff in the world but you know it's it's easy to fall in love and i'm with you on frank thomas uh the first game i ever watched as a white Sox fan um maglio ordonez threw a ball up to my dad that he promptly dropped um i'll never forget that which was just great and it's like my one memory from that game my dad always gives me crap because it's like so you just completely forget that frank thomas had a walk-off home run in that game but you just remember that i dropped maglio ordonez freaking baseball so, no, it's always really cool hearing those types of stories. And I mean, you know, even with where the White Sox are today, um, even currently with uh, the entire Tim Anderson situation, um, it's always kind of cool seeing where everybody starts out. But that's where we kind of have to roll into next, Dave. Um, Tim Anderson has become an overnight sensation for a lot of non-baseball fans and really the entire sports world in general, um, taking the baseball world by storm. Uh, this time, not for hitting a home run into a cornfield, but for this time, uh, getting hit in the face at at second base. Um, how are you feeling about uh, Tim Anderson's approach um, in this boxing match with uh, Jose Ramirez? Um, how are you? How are you feeling about the meme? Just well, give give us your thoughts on Tim Anderson right now. Okay, from like a thirty thousand foot perspective, and doing what I do and and trash talking different fan bases because a lot I got a lot of followers that aren't White Sox fans. I'd say vast majority of them are East Coast fans. But um, like my the worst thing to me is when someone says no. It used to be at least nobody cares about the White Sox or nobody gives a shit about the White Sox. Um, and I, I, I knew it was always kind of true, but I didn't want it to be true at the same time. And I would fire back at him. Nobody actually cares about the White Sox and nobody should care about the White Sox because the White Sox do nothing that people should care about. And it's sad that we are as emotionally indebted as we are. With that said, I loved how, how much people hate Tim Anderson because I think Tim Anderson historically has been at his best when he's kind of been had that chip on his shoulder, you know? I don't know what changed this year. I'm not going to get into the off-the-field stuff with the wife and all that because I do not care, and that's personal, even though you're an idiot for making it not – or making it public. But, man, dude, like the meltdown he's having right now on Twitter is bad news. It's like Tim just like – Go to the go to Scott Merkin or whoever, whoever has a microphone and a camera in front of your face and just say, yeah, I squ-. He, he said something. I said, let's square up. And he got me and laugh at yourself. That is all you can do. Just be like, he got me. He got me. I'll get him next. You know, all this cryptic stuff like he got him. It was funny. It was objectively funny. I've watched it a thousand times and it was laugh out loud funny because you never see that. You never see that, especially in baseball and especially from a guy who's like sitting there like he's actually it was out it was laugh out loud funny laugh at yourself and people won't care anymore i promise that's the best course of action but he he's got like some deep-seated issues it seems like i'm not sigmund freud or a psychologist but it seems like he does i don't know 
went Dr. Dave Williams on us right there for a second. But I I, I think the I, I completely agree, actually. Like, you know, the situation did not go how you wanted to. You you started a fight and you didn't win it. Like that it is not how you plan this to go. Own it, have some fun with it, and the story will run its course a little bit easier. Now you're doing all this with Twitter. I sometimes like you need that outlet. I get it. The players you know, maybe not don't feel like they have that outlet, but yeah, I completely agree. Just sit someone down who will gladly put a story together as a beat writer and just let it take its course. Like the more you try and fight something like this, I I think it's just social media in general. The more yeah, you yeah. fight things where it's like, you know, I just screwed up. Like the more people are going to antagonize you for it. Yes. It's, just, it's just not something you need right now. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Just, it's, I mean, I, I, I sincerely wonder, like, cause he's played pretty, pretty well overall since the all-star break. I haven't watched like at all, but um, like assume he over the last two weeks is what he is for the rest of the season. If he like has some other blow up like this, do the socks even bother? Cause he looks good right now. And you would obviously pick up that option option, but you wonder if he's like playing himself out of it. Like, you don't need the headache. We're starting over. We don't need the locker room antics. Not saying there are any, but, I mean, publicly, it would be hard to assume there's not right now, you know? He he might be playing himself out of that, and that's a lot of money. And, I like, I don't know. It's it's, it's He's a mess right now. He should have just owned up and wore it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree that he definitely, you know, laughing at yourself makes the situation better. But I think that also, if he didn't have these, you know, off the field issues you alluded to, if he wasn't having such a bad season, I think people would also be a lot quicker to not necessarily defend him because like, obviously he lost. Like, I'm not, <laughs> he obviously got destroyed in that. But I mean, more so in the sense that the play that ignited it wasn't, I mean, it was pretty much a normal baseball play. It seemed more like Ramirez was upset about earlier um, incidents rather than that particular play. Uh-huh. And, you know, Ramirez, like, poking him or wagging his finger in his face whatever he did like that's like you know obviously tim squared up which you never see but on a baseball field i should say but at the same time it's kind of like of course he did you know he was very much provoked into it and what annoys me i think the memes are funny but what annoys me is the royals fans and the yankees fans and the cubs fans who are all coming out of the woodworks for whatever reason like cubs fans are like selling t-shirts with the picture of it and like a dance with swanson like how was even part of this and Royals fans are going back to 2019 and Yankees fans with the Donalds and like, they're all joining forces now. And like Tim deserves it. He deserves to get dunked on right now. But at the same time, as a White Sox fan, I'm not going to be all, you know, chumming up with those guys after how the last few years have gone. That's just not, uh, I know this is not what you guys were arguing, but it's just my thoughts on it. it's not a leap I'm willing to make. Although I see a lot of White Sox fans making it right now. Another thing too, it's like, why you're continuing to duck the media. I, I think it's part of Dave, your larger point too. It's like, Past couple of days, he hasn't spoken to the media. Just, just do it. Get it over with. Like right. it, it. Just why do you continue to let it fester, Nick? Like you're saying, like the the fans on Twitter and everything. It's like why do you continue to let it fester? I, I, it's easy for me to say sitting from this chair with a microphone in front of me doing a blog. Like yeah, that that I, I get. It. It's a little bit easier from my perspective, but it feels like hey, there's an outlet for you. Take it. I I mean he he's doing himself no favors. Um, he's making it worse. Uh man, it, it's it ain't pretty. Like he he's gonna be that guy for now on. So he better figure out how to cope with it because 
Um, like he he's that guy league wide. And, you know, oh, uh, until the last because it seems this is a different energy. This is a negative energy. Like he was always an asshole on the field, but it was like in an AJ way. You loved play him on your team. Hate hate him if he's on the other team. Now it's like the good stuff went away somewhere. I don't know where or why, but it did. It's like it's bad juju and bad vibes, you know, and like you bet you better figure out how to cope with it because I would say the best way is to play good baseball. So figure out how to play good baseball again, start hitting home runs again, you know, get that cocky swagger back. At least one fan base will love you, but you're turning the, you know, your, your allies into enemies. I'll never turn on them completely because I don't give a shit enough, but many people will, and they'd be justified in doing so, you know, yeah, no doubt. Um, I think uh, I think you guys nailed on a couple pretty good things. Um, really, really, the two that I have, you know, I almost wonder if him not talking to the media was a Grafal decision, just because we're it still kind of maneuver- we're yeah, still but- kind of maneuvering like how Grafal kind of handles these types of things. Uh-huh. And this is this this is a pretty big one. I don't know if he he's ever really dealt anything to this level of how do we spin this. You know what I mean? I, I, I kind of, and I hate to admit it, but I I always love Terry Francona. And I thought the way that he I handled it with, dude, the way he handled the J-Ram after after the game, like, come on, that's how boys you do will it. Be boys. It was perfect. Boys will be boys. Yeah. And right? I mean, that's 100%. You know, that's that's the way you have to be with it. And, you know, I'm, I'm with you, Dave. I think Tim needs to be able to, like, laugh at himself with it. Um, And, you it's know, so I, I... man. Well, and I think even, you know, talking to a Scott, I think he's a, I think that's a really good example because Scott is a pretty big TA guy and he's definitely somebody who like respects like the player position on a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, to the flip side of it, like I laughed at it, but I hated seeing it knowing how rough of a run Tim has had in like really everything in his life. Just as, and, and I'm not saying it's not self-induced because, you know, not that I care, not that I care, but Tim's made mistakes. There's absolutely zero doubt about that. But it's just like, if ever he just need he needs a win so bad. Like if ever he needed a win, he needed it yesterday. Like to be able to put J Ram down, and baseball would have hated him. They wouldn't have embraced him the way that everyone has embraced J Ram. But um, he would have he would have fed off that. And you oh, almost exactly hope that, like, right. yeah. And you almost hope he can still kind of feed off of it. But damn, dude, like it it, it was just like. I, I was like, man, if anybody ever needed one just to go right, go his way, it was Tim right there. And he got caught. And you and you know what? And the most important thing, in my opinion, this entire situation is anyone can get caught. Anyone who's been punched in the face before, you know. You know, sometimes all it takes is one good shot and you're down. And J-Ram threw the absolute Hail Mary shot because he had Kopech coming behind him and it just happened to land square. Yep. It can happen to any of us, you know? It was just, I mean, t- nothing's gone right for him, and that was just the cherry on top. Hey, where else can you go but up from here, I guess, right? I mean, that's really the only place you can go, you know? I mean, <laughs> I, and hopefully that's the way he takes it. You know, it was just like, I feel like had this happened in a really good year for him, you know, where, where it doesn't have to deal with any of the off-field stuff, right. I think he handles it a lot better. But this was just like the ultimate buildup and the ultimate like, man, I cannot catch a fucking break. And dude, and, and you could see it when he was walking off the field. Like he did not want to admit that that just happened because he 
probably couldn't believe like I re- this really just continues to keep rolling in this direction. It's crazy. I mean, uh, and I know there's a lot of people piling on the socks for not jumping on Ramirez. I, including Isaac Gian, I watched a little bit of what he said. I agree and I don't agree. Maybe yes. I don't know. No one knows what you're thinking in that moment. If you're, you can't just go in guns blazing, you know, but um, I, I would love to know what they said to him after the game. Like, I know that I would have fucking roasted his ass beyond belief and just laughed at him and been like, come on, dude, chill the fuck out. Like, like laugh about it. Like you got, you got decked. Boys will be boys. Chill out and go and get him tomorrow. You know, I'm hoping someone did that, but who knows with all these cryptic, um, or if he's even open to receiving that kind of stuff, maybe he just got a, you know, took a shower, left and went home. Who knows? Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I think there's ways to handle this to make it maybe not necessarily a positive, not what it has become a joke again, including all his tweets, but like, I just need the season over with. Like, I'm wearing a Bears hat right now. I need them to start, like, really playing. That's a really interesting point about it, too. It's like, what happened when he got in the – or not in the – in the clubhouse? Like, we're not just not going to talk about this, right? right? Yeah. There was that – someone sent a picture of Giolito in the Angels bullpen yeah. before – Yeah, the video where you could clearly see he was talking about Aunt T.A., you know? It's like, people are talking. People have seen – it's like – I, I I agree. It's like, maybe I wouldn't be the one who said it, but it's like, you're looking around the locker room. Like we're going to talk about this, right? I mean, like Jordan, you, did you play college ball? No. Did any of you guys? I pitched high school ball, but that's, that's about there it. There was one time in college where we were like benches kind of cleared, like to the foul lines and that was it. And to this day, we, we all talked about it. Remember that time we always beat Oglethorpe's ass. Like, I know this is so juvenile and childish, but like Terry Francona said, boys will be boys. It's something you talk about forever, you know, when you're throwing them back with the fellas that, you know, fucking make it, make it fun. Baseball is supposed to be fun. It doesn't look like he's having fun at all. Doesn't look like any of those guys are kind of burger a little bit, but he's gone. He's probably, you know, breathing that fresh Miami air. Like, thank God I'm out of there. All those guys. It's just bad juju across the board. Right. It's like you got to rally around it. It's like you've if you've played organized sports at all, you've had those moments where you rally as a team and you hope it's like you you all hear like the announcers or everything and everyone's like, oh, yeah, they'll rally behind or Grafal's like, yeah, this is a good moment for us, whatever. It's like you really hope that's true because these guys need it. It's like even if the season is as lost as it is, you need some sort of wins at this point. You need to stack something so that, hey. You know, it's not just a chore to come to the ballpark right now. There has to be something more beyond that. Make it fun. Like, have, have contests, like, bet paychecks or something on who has, I, I'm not saying gamble on the game, but, like, figure some incentive out to, like, go out and make it worth it, like you said. Well, you know, and I think I think the biggest thing that'll do that is a lot of these guys either playing for a job next year or yeah. potentially seeing this as their last shot, like a guy like Elvis Andrews, which – I have shit on Elvis Andrews all year. I have to give him credit. Not only has he witnessed two of the greatest knockouts in the history of baseball, but he did stand behind Tim when he fell and he was kind of like, 
he was kind of ready to square up himself. I don't know if you saw Elvis on that play, but he was like kind of squaring up Jose as well. So I'll give him credit as far as like backing your teammate. I don't know if Ozzy brought that up in the post game, but like what else was going to come out of that? Like that did not need to be a total brawl anyway. Like I, I rewatched the fight with uh, Detroit and the White Sox or early 2000s. I don't know if you know the one that I'm talking I about. It. I remember it. Yep. And like that, that was more pandemonium because those teams genuinely really freaking hated each other. And there was, it had been boiling up to that point yeah. for a while. This, while these two teams do hate each other, it was kind of just, do. you don't There's think they no, do? Not hatred. No, maybe now, but not hatred. I, not I, Neither of them are good enough to hate each other. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I just, uh, I, I just think of Josh Naylor last year, and that that's that's more, I guess, where I think more of the hatred comes from. But I think the fans might hate each other more than anything. All right, Dave, in your own words, give us give us the state of the union of, in your opinion, of the current Chicago White Sox. What are your feelings on what this team is and where we're at at this point in uh, both this season and our life cycle? It, it depends on the day. I mean, obviously, like, I know where the White Sox are. We all do. They're It's a bad organization, and it's going to be bad for the foreseeable future until there's, like, gutted to the core change from the top man on down. Like, it's going to be that way, um, which sucks. Like, these were supposed to be the fun years, you know? These were supposed to be the best stretch of years of all of our lives. You know, I, I know I'm a little older than you guys, but – I was only a sophomore when in 2005, so it's not like I was out with my friends. I was watching that on my couch with my dad, you know? Like, I would have liked to see 2016 from the Cubs' perspective as an adult when I could have properly, especially considering what the internet is now. And, you know, I was from the West Burb, so, like, half my friends were Cubs fans anyways. You know, I, I, I would love the camaraderie that, that the internet has you know, brought a lot of White Sox fans. We all know each other weirdly just because of who we root for. And we don't get that. It was robbed of us, from us. And it sucks. Um, they lied to us. They, I, I really think they lied to us. And, like, I don't want to hear anything about money out of their mouths or pandemic losses or blah, blah, blah. Like, everybody got hurt by the pandemic, you idiots. Like, no one, no one wants to hear it. Adapt or die. Other teams did it. You didn't, you know? And... It's bad. It's it sucks. I hate it. Um, I do have better things to do with my time than you know watch this because what's the what's the point of watching them when you know they're not trying to win? In years they told you they were going to try to win, like we we put up with it when it was on purpose, and now it's like it's they said it wasn't on purpose, but it's almost kind of on purpose. They knew they weren't going to beat a kid this year. Everybody did. Like at best, mid eighty win team maybe wasn't that sucks. I think the biggest thing, I think back to like when this whole rebuild process started and kind of Dave, what you exactly said, like I want, I wanted, I was in college for the Cubs in 2016 and I understood of my friends enjoying that. I'm like, wow, you know, I'll probably be out of college because it was mm-hmm. just when the rebuild was starting. I'll be out of college, but like, I'll still be able to see good baseball as an adult when I'm on this other side of this, enjoying that. It's like, that is one thing where. Maybe day to day, I just get numb to the existence of the team as it is. Um, but at the same time, it's like when, when you dig in, or you see like some of the 2021 ALDS highlights or things like that. It's like 
I wanted this to be something else. And it's and it's frustrating, especially when you're I mean, you do it from your perspective too. When you're blogging or you're writing about this team or you're talking about this team, it's frustrating to be on this side of it. Is how I've described it. It sucks. Yep. I'm sure like like we my job was not fully because that's not what we do, but like part of it relies on the success of this team um, and the success of the sports in the city as a whole. And our numbers started going down a year ago when, you know, all-star break last year, they didn't really do anything, but they still should have won the division because it was so bad. Just waiting for people to get healthy and clicking and just like, and then this winter just like plummeted. So we had to shift. And that's why we like kind of had to get rid of it. I'm, I'm, it's not that we rely on them, but it's like no one wants to consume you guys because of what you did, you know? And I'm talking, when I say you guys, I'm talking about the White Sox. I'm like, no one wants to consume anything when you guys are being talked about, whether it's you're like going to your games, watching on TV, no one wants to do it because of how badly you messed this up. Yeah. I think that kind of ties in also to what we were saying earlier on this where, Dave, you were saying you've been spending a lot more time going to concerts than you did before. Jordan went skydiving, like <laughs> just this random yeah. interest that we have now. Like it kind of for me, it started last summer when the team, when it was clear they weren't gonna win the division. I just kind of started doing other things. And sure, I'm still obviously I'm still a fan and I'm probably watching more than I should be for my sanity, but but it's happening. And I think in the long run, it's kind of maybe maybe to play devil's advocate, maybe that's why they're claiming that next year we'll still be competitive blah 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 because they kind of realize like shit if we don't really get back on this we're going to lose fans for good but but i would argue they already have but that's another debate no i'm yeah that they definitely have i mean well the diehards will always be Sox fans as a whole will always be there like and and people have gotten on me they're like oh you fair weather fan i'm like that's not being a fair weather fan like like it's I can't enable this insanity. That's what it is. It's like you. So there's got to be some sort of line that that you can't cross, and they crossed it on me to the point where I feel like I'm doing my fandom a disservice if I can consume the product. Like I'm eating those tickets. I'm not selling the rest of my tickets. It's only a thousand bucks over the course of a year, so I don't care. It's not a lot of money, but like. That's pennies, 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 pennies on the dollar. But like, it's something, you know, it's something. Yeah. It's like, it's like that, like, it's that form of protest. Yeah. Like you guys are all, you guys are all talking about these great things you do outside of the White Sox. And here I'm a sucker who just, you know, drove back up to Madison from Chicago because I hung out at the fucking White Sox park all weekend. Uh, But I mean, it's literally just because I already spent the money on it and like, yeah, I could eat it, but more or less what I've been trying to do is just like, I will not, I like refuse to buy concessions in there. Cause I know Jerry loves those concession numbers when they come in every year. And I'm just, I, I don't, I don't bother. I will, I will eat a hot dog at Rick and Benny's before I go there. Um, I'll get a Polish at Maxwell street before I go there. A- anything to make me full before I head into that stadium. Cause they don't serve a fucking extra dime that they, unless outside of what they already got for me. Yeah, Cause fuck. There you go. Yep. And I, I want like I miss going to that park. Saturday night Sox games are my favorite things on earth. It's my favorite thing on earth, but it's it's like it it's it's a moral obligation at this point to 
avoid that stadium. I had to be there last week for work, and that's the only reason I was there, and I still felt dirty. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's you almost have to wash the stink off of yourself when you're when you leave there. It's it's unfortunate it's got to that point. But like, you know, even you were talking about like kind of getting that, you know, taste of being able to enjoy like a postseason run with like all your all your boys or whatever. You know, we we got a little bit of a taste of that in like, you know, twenty or you know, during the Hawks dynasty, and it's just you know, that was a blast. But we almost got it like kind of shaken in front of us in 2021. And I think that's what hurts more now. Like had 2021 not happened and say we don't make the playoffs to this run. Yeah, I'm probably really pissed, about as pissed as I am now. But like the fact that it got kind of, you know, hung in front of us and we got a little taste of it. Yeah, they dangled the carrot. They dangled the carrot. Yeah, that like I, I don't know what icing is. And I had the time of my life. During those Hawks runs, you know, I couldn't name five players in the any on the Blackhawks right now. Yeah, I, maybe five, but point remains. Like, imagine that fun, but it's your team in in those hunts every year. Oh, I mean, hey, you know Connor Bedard's name, and that's the important one at this point. So, of course. <laughs> which you know, all that content you guys did down in Nashville, that was pretty sick. I actually met him last couple weeks ago. Did, did, didn't you get a picture with him, or was that just Chief? I didn't. I, I dipped out before the picture, um, but nice kid. He's a kid. It's it's really weird how much of a kid he is, and he's, like, that dominant. Yeah. it's, it's He definitely has, like, that little bit of Connor McDavid in him where it's, like, it's, it's crazy to see how good he is already at this age and the fact that he's he's gonna run this city if he's even somewhat the player that he's hyped up to be man and it's good oh yeah he is oh yeah he is it's it's definitely gonna be fun to watch we might have to start a a blackhawks podcast over here on over here on 35th <laughs> we'll just have to come up with a little bit more of a creative name so dave we were actually i was curious personally because i remember earlier in the rebuild you got that um it was pretty long interview i think with rick on one-on-one and i know you and rick you know were obviously pretty tight and you've got some good info from him over the years. So I'm kind of curious, not, not just Han, what Williams to the whole front office. I'm kind of curious to hear how your perception of them has changed from the beginning of the rebuild to now, because I know it's different with you compared to other fans since you have more of a you know personal relationship there. Yeah, no, the, I mean, he, he said it himself very publicly. He's like, I would resign if this isn't like he, the hot, that he's on the hot seat, obviously. Everybody who wants him gone, you are within reason to want him gone. I do think the rug was pulled from under him by the owner. Um, but that said, he like I don't think that anybody that is of like just normal mental capacity would say what he said over the years. Like, ask me after the parade and. All this and all those like really cocky quotes that he had about how they want to be a blue chip free agent, like uh, on the Machado types. And that was before they lost on those guys. Like, why would you say that if you know that when it's not going to happen, the entire city is going to want you crucified? Why would you say that? So I do think the rug was pulled from under him. That said, he's had a $180, $190 million payrolls the last couple of years. That's more than enough to bully your division around. You fucked up. Everybody's got to go. Like, there is stink from head to toe in the organization. Everybody knows it. Like, he, Rick Hahn himself has talked about how in, like, the mid-'80s, Wilbur Wood got dealt from the Bears, and he was pissed. He wanted everybody 
in that front office's like jobs. Like he knows that's part of the gig. Like this isn't working. It's failed. I don't know how you can like like it, you got to figure hand hand it off to someone else. You know, figure it out. But you can't do it again. You can't get round two or three or four, or whatever this is. None of these guys should have that. But that's not gonna that's not gonna be what happens though. We all know that. Well, yeah, dude. And, and what makes me worried about it is it feels like even if we get this like knock it out of the park GM hire, like even if we go grab somebody from say Tampa Bay in their organization, we're like it doesn't feel like we're really gonna fire anybody. It would almost be like, oh, Rick Hahn's being moved to a different position within the organization. Let's bring in this guy. You know what I mean? Because like for whatever reason, Jerry Reinsdorf just does. He just never wants to bring the hammer down. You know, look at how long it took for him to do it with the Bulls. Like the Bulls were literally just drowning post Jordan years. And a lot of those guys just stayed in that same front office doing the same crap every single day. And it's like it took almost 20 plus years after the last championship to finally be like, okay, we need to clean shop here. And even when we clean shop, oh, we're just going to put John Paxson in a different position. You know what I mean? Uh, it's it just, I, I just don't understand it. Like why beat around the bush? I don't care if you are friends with this guy, if this is a, a freaking a, a guy you invite over to dinner on Thanksgiving every year and you send Christmas cards. I don't really give a shit. Like you can be cool with him with that, whatever team he gets picked up on. But like, there's no reason why you have to have this guy on your payroll running your baseball team when it continues to fail. And I just don't understand it. And if you're right, it's not going to change. And it's unfortunate that we are stuck in this constant struggle of, continuing to root for this baseball team when we know nothing's that going to fucking change. Yeah. It's, it's just round and round we go. Like it's, it's, I, I really thought it was going to be different. Like I'll be the first to hand up. I thought it was going to be different. I was all bored to rebuild, trade everybody. Like when Chris gets got hired, I was told by so many people that have absolutely nothing to do with the white Sox. They couldn't care less about the success of that organization. They're like, that guy is a home run hire. Like, you don't understand. Like he is, like, that is so good for the organization, blah, 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 blah. Like, but nothing's working. Nothing is working. So, like, they, if this is how they, like, if they're the architects that constructed this mess, like, how do you trust them to do it again? You know, nothing's going well. And I think when you look at it as a whole, it's like, the more you continue to do the same thing, the more people are going to continue to do it all of us have kind of done at points where it's like continue to check out like may maybe you check in here and there or you know people who are in it every day whether it's blogging podcasting whatever it's like yeah you'll probably still keep in with the team but it's like you lose that fire you lose that passion and I guess a question from my perspective you know as someone looking at it, it's from your perspective like yeah like you said you're you're checking out you have found other things to do what would I mean? I take box scores and everything, right? But it's like in terms of like really deeply investing, like you had before, or what would it take in terms of what would you need to see, or is it just literal wins is all it takes before you're like, hey, I'm back into this. I'll check back in. Like, what would it need to be, whether it's end of this season, 2024, whatever, to really get that feeling back? I mean, I'll never trust them again, and I'll always assume the worst and hope for the best. Obviously, this year is completely different um, with how far gone they are in the standings. Like, if they were 500 right now, and I would be, you know, glued to the TV every night, 
even though I'd still know that all these issues that we're talking about exist and um, like we all the all the warts are still there like but I would still be glued I would be there once twice a week you know a standard 30 games I typically go to so not much but like it, this year is such a lost cause that it's like I, I'm not doing that what there's no point the rest of summer like and on, on top of it it's the like I, I truly feel that they need to like see a Saturday night game with like a Marlin sized crowd there. Like they need to they need to get their noses rubbed in it like a little puppy that took a dump on the living room carpet. That's what they need. I'm not even kidding when I say that. I mean that's essentially what they did to the whole fan base with the team that they rolled out this year. So I it's it's really not that crazy. Um yeah man I I'm just I'm I'm really fed up with this as well. I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy. That it's gotten to this point. Um, you know, I know we brought up a little bit earlier about kind of like those, you know, those home run or bust type baseball teams that we watched or, like earlier in the year, but like, even when they were bad, they were fun to yes. watch. You know yes. what I mean? Like, yes. dude, seeing a lineup of Ray Durham at the top with Jose Valentin, Maglio Ordonez, Carlos Lee, Frank Thomas, and Paul Canerco. That is a killer's freaking row when it comes to power, dude. Like any of those guys can just go off for, you know, three for four with a home run and four RBIs. You know, that was fun. That was always the thought process. But like when we're as bad as we are right now, we're not hitting home runs. There's just not a whole lot that's fun to watch, you know. And then, you know, like you said, we're just not competitive enough to gauge interest on top of all the other issues. Because like even if it was a bad baseball team and they were at least around 500, especially in this division. There's no reason why we can't be competitive in the AL Central. It's ridiculous. Um, there would be a lot more interest. But, yeah, you, it, it's it's just so freaking hard to get up. I mean, and it sucks when you're a White Sox fan and you love baseball because yep. you feel like you, it, it feels like that's that's my option to watch. But then you're just – you almost hit a point where you just start watching other baseball teams and start following. I'm like, dude, up here in Wisconsin, man, I've watched a lot more Brewers games because they're actually a fun team to watch. Yeah. I, like, I – I, I'm very petty, so I when the Sox are like this bad, I I can't watch MLB Net or Sunday Night Baseball. Like, it's just a reminder of what good baseball there is out there that I don't have, and it makes me mad that other people get to enjoy it and I don't. So I just kind of avoid it altogether. But but yeah, I, it's uh, I don't see much of an end in sight, if any. I think you the way you phrase about like not watching MLB Network stuff like that, maybe not for the exact same reasons as you. I get the same. I, I've at least seen I've gotten the same way. Maybe it was end of last year and, and into this year, where it's like my enjoy. It's it's sad that it's like it's like my enjoyment of the game as the whole. And it's like if the Sox aren't good, it's not like I'm like oh let me go watch X Y Z other teams. It's more like you know they're not good. It is what it is, and I'm just gonna have to deal with it. But it like, it, it kind of like affects your overall. At least for my, for me, it affects my overall just enjoyment of the sport in total. And that's what I really hate about it. Where it's like I don't watch as many like, or I'll turn on like ML, the MLB TV app, or I'll watch the end of a couple games late at night if the Sox end up. It's like I don't do that, and and that's frustrating for me when you're trying to be someone who's like who is passionate about baseball. Well, you're always scoreboard watching, you know? Yep. 
And, like, there's no point right now because the Sox aren't going to make, what are they, 13 back, 12 back, whatever they are. Um, like, it, it, like I, I went to uh, the Dominican for the Dominican World Series in February. And it was so nice having baseball to watch that you could just watch because it's baseball. You know, without getting anger, being reminded of, at what this organization has done to us. It was really nice. Yeah, I I almost like hit a point, you know, I mean, I, I still watch baseball, but like I almost like hate watch a couple teams like watching the Padres fall apart is just it, it's really gratifying to me for some reason. And watching the Mets spend all that money and have to trade Scherzer like that was I, I don't know, maybe 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 that makes me sound like a dick, but I kind of get a sick kick out of other teams, little dynasties that they tried to build falling apart because mine fell apart. And so it makes me feel a little bit better, but. He's like, I, I think we need more owners operating like Cohen and like the dude for San Diego. Like that's San Diego. There's two sport or one sports team there. There's one sports team there. That's as small as market as small market gets. They're overshadowed by LA. That guy's got like a 240 million. We should be rooting for those guys because then it, like the other owners need to play catch up because they're like, oh shit, like that guy's winning. You know, that's. Like if if that's what it takes, we got to do that. But instead, it's it's oh, let's see how little we can spend. You want more cones, not less. Yeah, no, that's fair. I would, dude. I would love an. That said, AJ Preller, I can't stand that guy. He's such a snake in the grass. I mean, I I almost I almost for that exact reason, kind of want the Angels to somehow find a way to make the playoffs, make a decent run. Not only just to see Otani in the playoffs, but because I know how close freaking Artie Moreno and Jerry Reinsdorf are. And maybe if he sees that, like, Artie tries to spend money on an Otani to keep something together, maybe that'll kick Jerry in the ass a little bit. I mean, I doubt it, but, you know, you never know. I think this was about as good of a therapy session when you look at it back in terms of, like, hey, trade deadline, like, they wo- they waved the white flag on this phase of the rebuild, whatever they're going to call the next piece of it. I think it's fun to take that step back, sit there and be like, well, we just went through that. And now we got on the other side of it. We got two playoff wins out of it. Um, and before really even trying to dive deep, deep into the team and look back at the prospects, I think it's nice to have something like this, which is like, yeah, as fans, we've been through a lot having to deal with sort of the rebuild and the hype behind that and now not having it come to fruition and now having to deal with what comes next. And I think the natural thing is to always want to analyze everything, but also sometimes you have to stay, step back and be like, yep, I'm just a fan. And as a fan, this does stink. No, well put. Yeah, I mean, it's essentially just just been a giant vet session at this point. But Dave, I, I genuinely appreciate you giving us some time, man. Um, I, I think we all kind of need a bit of a vent session. I know we've been talking about having you on for a while, so it's it's great to finally get you on, man. Yeah, it's good to come on anytime. Um, I hope they can turn this around, but I don't see, I do not see that happening in the near or distant future. It's going to be a minute. Uh, hopefully, if uh, if we get you on here again, it'll be under a lot better circumstances. You know what I mean? That would be excellent. I would love to talk more White Sox baseball, but um, it's just like no one wants to right now because this is like no one wants to vet like this. You know? Yeah. They don't want this to have to be a necessity, 
which it is. But thank you for having me on, fellas. For sure. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, Dave. So I once again want to say uh, thank you to White Sox Dave, Dave Williams, uh, for taking some time out of his schedule to give us uh, give us an interview. Um, it's always great stuff. It's always, uh, you know, good guy to catch at the ballpark. Um, if you're ever at a White Sox game and you see Dave, very approachable dude, very nice. Um, definitely a guy who loves baseball and definitely a guy who's as hurt about White Sox baseball as we currently are. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's I think it's nice to get these vent sessions out of the way. Um, I know any of our longtime listeners, this might have been a little bit more on the negative side than I think uh, a lot of you are used to, but uh, we're only human. <laughs> Sometimes we just kind of need to get it out because at the end of the day, we're diehard White Sox fans. We live and die by this team, and uh, we've been doing a lot more dying than living lately. And, you know, sometimes you just kind of got to get it out. And I, I think uh, I think both Nick and Jordan, I think you agree with that. And with kind of the way we treated it this episode, it's uh, kind of alluded to it at the end of the um, the interview with Dave. Like, we're about to enter a new phase for fans, for uh, on a larger scale, for blogs, podcasts, anybody who does this. We're, we're entering a new phase of now it's less about the team on the field. It's more about what's going to be coming next. And I think before you just jump into that, I think it's human and I think it's fair as fans first, which I don't think we think about enough, to acknowledge, yep, we just went through a lot and didn't get a lot out of it as fans. And before we just jump in, pretend that this is normal or it is what it is, take an episode of a podcast, take 45 minutes to really just be frustrated with where things are at, but don't sit and dwell on it. Like, now... We'll be right back into breaking down the prospects, doing this and that. It's like, and we'll get back to, quote unquote, business as usual. But being a fan, being a human, sometimes it's okay to stop and say, yep, this stinks. Yeah, exactly. I feel like the the death of this rebuild, not to sound dramatic, but it's kind of been a slow burn in that, you know, we've started to realize maybe since earlier, mid-2022 season that things were going downhill. And some fans kind of accepted that it was over before others. But with all these trades coming in now, it's kind of obvious that it, that it's over. So because it, it was never truly obvious until just now, I think now is a natural time to look back and reflect and, you know, maybe even lament before you move on. And I think this was a natural time to have this kind of conversation. And I'm, I'm glad we were able to get Dave to have it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is all we have this week for the Sox on 35th podcast. Um, when you have uh, when you have, you know, your star players, getting knocked out at second base, it, it, it can be a really tough road if you can't just hit a point where you laugh at yourself every once in a while and just kind of let it all out. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I want to give a big shout out to Dave for venting with us. Uh, be sure to keep an eye out on the new Barstool Chicago office opening up here in the next month. Um, shoot Dave a follow on Twitter as well at, at Barstool WSD, if you haven't already, and uh, Barstool Chicago at Barstool Chicago. Um, they're doing some pretty cool stuff. Uh, definitely some big stuff for football season coming up. So if you're into that, if that's your cup of tea, um also be sure to subscribe to this podcast now that i just plugged another uh company <laughs> be sure to subscribe to this podcast on apple spotify and everywhere else you get your podcast also be sure to check out the website at sockson35th.com as well as following us on facebook twitter and instagram at sockson35th to stay up to date with your chicago white Sox. this has been duke coughlin joined as always by jordan lazowski and nick gower we'll be back next week as we cover another dubious week of white Sox baseball thank you and go Sox. 
We'll be back to normal next week. RIP the rebuild. Go Sox. Tim Anderson 2024 comeback starts now. <laughs> Go Sox. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs>